Hello, and welcome to this episode of Special Ed Rising, No Parent Left Behind. I'm your host, Mark Ingracia, and I have over 34 years of experience as a classroom teacher, parent coach, and advocate. This is a podcast for parents and caregivers of children along the spectrum of disabilities that welcomes everyone interested in learning about topics from the world of exceptional needs, educational services, health and wellness, fitness, nutrition for you and your child, and more. Thank you so much for joining me. And if you like the show, please subscribe, like, comment, and tell your friends about it. Today's episode focuses on the IEP, part personal perspective and experience, and part sharing resources to help you navigate the process. After that, stay tuned for a tip of the cap, your exceptional needs parenting tip, followed by your good news community share. And for an extra resource to help inform your journey, visit the resource page of my website, specialedrising.com. So let's get started and set our goal for another win. The IEP process is your opportunity as parents to play a material role in the decisions made on behalf of your child's academic process and progress. However, I am aware that there are parents who don't realize how important a piece they are to the development of an IEP and who might incorrectly believe that is the school system that decides what's best for their child and it's they who should or are permitted to determine their child's goals and the path they will take. This couldn't be farther from the truth, and knowing the process and your rights within it are critical to directing your child on a path that you believe suits who they are, their needs, and their accommodations for a healthy and best case or as close to best case scenario once they graduate from school and transition into the adult phase of their lives. Some parents are very in tune and on top of the IEP process and are fully engaged as a member of the team, along with the likes of the district administrators, school psychologists, speech, OT, PT, social worker, etc., and when needed or desired, an advocate. You get to question, help guide, and design the document. And when at the annual review where you will consider the IEP, you don't, I repeat, don't have to sign it at the meeting. This is a living and breathing legal document that is open to criticism, critique, amendments, and alterations. An author writing for the San Jose State University magazine states that the importance of completing an IEP document for a student with special needs is not just fulfilling the administrative requirements for schools, but also establishing a blueprint to guide the school's intervention and assessment predicated within the district's general core curriculum. Therefore, All members participating in an IEP meeting must come together to clarify and brainstorm ways to generate meaningful educational goals and objectives. All interventions must be supported by best practices that address the learner's unique needs within his or her present levels of educational performance. I learned something recently during a webinar I was attending that in all the years I was writing IEPs and going to meetings, but was never encouraged to consider was the idea of the IP being used as a roadmap to transitioning out of the secondary level education and onto the next phase of a person's life. Transition wasn't really even generally discussed until entering high school or perhaps on occasion during middle school years. And as suggested by the panel and from what I'm learning in my field work now, this is a rather late date to be considering the transition. 
Members of the panel spoke to how the IEP should be written from a younger age with transition in mind as the endpoint to which a child's academic career is scaffolding in its direction. I personally never heard this mentioned during the development of each IEP meeting I attended, but it makes a lot of sense. Parentcenterhub.org states that for students approaching the end of their secondary school education, the IEP must also include statements about what's called transition services, which are designed to help youth with disabilities prepare for life after high school. IDEA requires that, beginning not later than the first IEP to be in effect, when the child turns 16 or younger if determined appropriate by the IEP team, the IEP must include measurable post-secondary goals based upon age-appropriate transition assessments related to training, education, employment, and where appropriate, independent living skills. And the transition services, including courses of study, need to assist the child in reaching those goals. According to the Weinfeld Group, the unanimous Supreme Court decision in Andrew F. versus Douglas County School District gives parents, advocates, and educators additional guidance on Individualized Education Plans, or IEPs. Rich Weinfeld, Executive Director and Educational Consultant, says, With this landmark decision, students should be making progress and we should be looking for evidence of that progress, as we discuss the past year's IEP and we plan the new year's IEP. Every IEP should be about the unique student's progress. On March 22, 2017, the U.S. Supreme Court issued a unanimous opinion in Andrew F. v. Douglas County School District. In that case, the court interpreted the scope of the Free Appropriate Public Education, or FAPE, requirements in the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act, IDEA. The court overturned the Tenth Circuit's decision that Andrew, a child with autism, was only entitled to an educational program that was calculated to provide, quote, merely more than de minimis, end quote, educational benefit. In rejecting the Tenth Circuit's reasoning, the Supreme Court determined that to meet its substantive obligation under the IDEA, a school must offer an IEP that is reasonably calculated to enable a child to make progress appropriate in the light of the child's circumstances. The court additionally emphasized that requirement that every child should have the chance to meet challenging objectives. The Andrew F. decision is important because it informs our efforts to improve academic outcomes for children with disabilities. So what can we take from this decision? Andrew F. clarified that substantive standard for determining whether a child's IEP the centerpiece of each child's entitlement to FAPE under the IDEA is sufficient to confer educational benefit on a child with a disability. I've witnessed many parents accept without argument or perhaps a true understanding of their rights to question or participate in the construction of the IEP, no matter their background. However, I did find that parents who struggled to understand the IEP and or English language paid the highest price by remaining ignorant because there was no mechanism in place to truly consider and serve them to explore how much they wanted to know or if extra education of the process in their native language or a simplified language for others would be desired and beneficial. Fully including non-English speaking parents in IEP meetings isn't just the right thing to do, it's also the law. Check with your administrators and follow all school district, state and federal rules, regulations and procedures. Now, with the court's decision, you have more power behind you to make the educational experience for your child the best it can be. It takes you to be fully engaged, and that can be difficult for many. 
An advocate is someone that can support you through the process and stand with you during your meeting. According to Rich Weinfeld from his book, Special Needs Advocacy Resource Book, an advocate often can make the difference in ensuring that the child gets the appropriate instruction and education she needs and deserves. Advocates bring a high degree of skill and knowledge, and advocacy can be beneficial for any student, especially where the parents don't feel they are an equal part of the process because of their own cultural, language, or socioeconomic differences. When it comes to evaluations, parents should be educated on the types of, of assessments and reasons for them, and they must sign off on them. Again, an advocate can help with this if you can't make the time or have trouble distinguishing assessment types. You don't want to miss out on services that your child is entitled to. It's important that you know all of your rights under IDEA so that you can begin to construct with your child's school team a plan that is building on itself year after year, and when necessary, to be able to recognize when something is or isn't working in order to make alterations and tweaks along the way. The federal government envisions a collaborative effort in the creation of an IEP, but this isn't always the case. There are schools that have teachers who create the IEP and in some cases send it to the parents just prior to the meeting for review, or in other cases, parents will be seeing the document for the first time at the annual meeting. This process is different everywhere, so I can't generalize to the format. However, if this is happening for you and you're feeling outside of the process, it's your right to request a meeting with the multidisciplinary team to create goals together. If this doesn't happen for whatever reason, you have the right to refuse to sign the IEP and state your objections and request specific alterations. Take the time to bring it home and go over it on your own without any pressures of an imminent decision needing to be made. You have time. Simply thank the team and say you'll get back to them shortly. Do not feel intimidated to acquiesce. As a parent, what are your concerns, hopes, visions? These are the guiding questions. When you begin your IEP journey, once your child has been identified with a disability, or wherever you are in the process as you listen to this, moving forward, begin the review season and IEP development with the end in mind. Meaning, consider the goals you would like your child to reach, then mine for how to get there. What special services will they need? What kind of classroom makeup is best for them? A general education or inclusion class? where your child is taught amongst their neurotypical peers, or the alternative to this, a self-contained classroom, which can cater to a particular disability, for example, autism support classrooms. Are there special devices needed, and which ones? Create barrier-free opportunities, identifying short-term and long-term support needs. What additional agencies can get involved outside of school and included as mandates on an IEP? and support services for you, like parent training. A quick note here on the classroom placement. Unless the IEP requires some other arrangement, the child is educated in the school that he or she would attend if non-disabled. When looking at placement options, consideration must be given to any potential harmful effect on the child or on the quality of services that he or she needs. A child with a disability may not be removed from education in age-appropriate regular classrooms just because he or she needs modifications to the general curriculum. When discussing placement, the group should consider the child's unique needs and determine the least restrictive placement for the child based upon those needs. A placement that is least restrictive for one child 
may not be least restrictive for another. IDEA has included a strong preference for children with disabilities to be educated alongside their peers without disabilities, to the maximum extent appropriate. All of these considerations will guide you through the process each year and with each new IEP. Always looking ahead will help to scaffold your child's education in a direction that is appropriate for their success in the post-secondary years. Always keeping in mind the endpoint transition will help direct you towards it. Alterations and reconsiderations are always available to you as your child ages and new information is gleaned from past performance. You are never locked into an IEP and a request for an amendment is your right. From brainbalancecenters.com, parents may need to adjust IEP needs if the child isn't making progress towards the IEP goals or if the child has met all the goals and requires new ones. IEP changes may also be necessary if new information is available about the child. Another reason to adjust IEP needs is if one of the child's providers suggests it as necessary. You can propose an amendment to your child's IEP by submitting a written request to the school or IEP team. It's more likely that the IEP team will agree to the changes and amend the IEP if you thoroughly explain the reasons for the proposed amendment and how it would be helpful for your child's progress. The IEP process can be daunting, and remaining in the dark about your child's options and the law can be detrimental. But there is so much information you can research and a willingness on the part of professionals educated in the field to help you that can partner with you and make this a positive, enlightening, and satisfying time of year, resulting in opportunities for your child. I'll be posting all the links I use to create this podcast in addition to others for you to explore. Feel free to ask for help. It's time now for a tip of the cap, your exceptional needs parenting tip. Today's tip comes from understood.org. Look for ways to work with the school. While there's no legally acceptable reason for a school not to implement an IEP right away, it usually makes sense to look for ways to cooperate with the school while making sure your child is getting what she needs most. At the same time, it's good to document all delays in case the situation doesn't improve. If the delays last more than a few weeks, request an IEP meeting to formally address your concerns and even to ask the school to pay for private services. If that still doesn't resolve the issue, consider requesting an impartial hearing by contacting the school or the school district's special education office. Today's Good News Community Share comes from goodnewsnetwork.org. A revolutionary treatment that could repair spinal cord injuries has been developed by scientists which regrew nerves in paralyzed mice within three months. The medication triggers cells of long spindly parts of these severed nerves called axons to regenerate themselves. Currently, spinal cord injury does not have an effective treatment that involves a repairing of what was damaged. This work shows a drug called TTK21 that is administered systematically once a week after a chronic spinal cord injury in animals can promote neuronal regrowth and an increase in synapses that are needed for neuronal transmission, said lead author Dr. Simone D. Giovanni of Imperial College London. 
The next step will be to boost the effects even more and get regenerating axons to reconnect to the rest of the nervous system so animals can regain their ability to move with ease. We are now exploring the combination of this drug with strategies to bridge the spinal cord gap, such as biomaterials, as possible avenues to improve disability in SCI patients, said Dr. Giovanni. I want to thank you again for listening to this episode, and I hope you'll join me each week to hear about topics new to you or close to your heart. I hope this podcast might inspire you to face your days more confidently, stirring a greater sense of self-love, mindfulness, an outpouring of goodness, and positive role modeling for your children, while remembering to attend to the areas of your own mental, physical, and if you're inclined, spiritual health, enabling you to be all you hope to be for them. All music heard on today's show comes from Jason Shaw at audionautics.com. Remember to follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Special Ed Rising and on my website, specialedrising.com. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to rate and review the show wherever you get your podcasts and tell your friends. You can contact me directly with questions, comments, or if you're interested in parent coaching through my email, specialedrising at gmail.com, or my contact pages on my Facebook or my website. If you would like to share some of your success stories with the audience, please send them to my email. Let's show the world what's possible. Also, let me know if there's anything you'd like to learn more about. And until next time, peace and keep rising.